Deception in the Church, Part 3, Counterfeits. Now, what I want to do is I want to read a scripture to you. And this is, again, an introduction. So I'm not going to go into exact things. I might mention one or two specifics here or there, depending on how I'm led. <coughs> Excuse me. But what I want to, what I want to get into your, 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 your mind now is we've looked at, Carolyn gave you an introduction, and then I, I came on and extended that introduction by giving you what the New Testament basically says about uh, counterfeit, uh, about false doctrines and false apostles. And so what I want to do, to you to do with you today is finish off the introduction, and I'll give a supplementary sermon during the week as well on philosophies, uh, the philosophies that the devil uses to lead you away from worshiping God. And that'll finish our introduction to the, the, the subject. And then next week, I'll begin by going into Gnosticism, and I will trace one theory or one false doctrine right from Genesis all the way through to 1980 to 1990. And then the following time, once I finish that series, that sermon, I will then show you that is a gateway doctrine. That's a gateway teaching. That gateway will then expose you to further falsehoods. And then I will pick out three more doctrines that will bring you current to about 2015 on what is preached based off that gateway doctrine which we will trace in Gnosticism. Learn these words. One, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Paul writes and he says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, not, do, you, not know, uh, uh, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? <clears throat> Examine yourself. Okay? Test yourself. That's the first stage that you've got to get into when it comes to basically standing up in truth. You need to be able to go and test and examine your life and your faith. Your faith that leads to salvation. You need to be able to test to see that that faith, the Bible says, test yourselves to see if your faith is approved by God. It's your responsibility. So you have to test yourself. You have to test every teaching that comes your way, and you have to make a judgment on whether this is a false teaching, a counterfeit, or whether this is a true teaching. Now, what is a counterfeit? Here is a dictionary definition of a counterfeit. A counterfeit is that which is made in imitation of something with a view to defraud. It is a substitution of the false for the true. Okay, that is, now you need to really begin to understand words. You need to understand what they mean because what, we're gonna, what I'm going to show you in this sermon is that out there in the church, you have this move of counterfeits coming in to the church. So much so that people now are not being able to discern what is actually a false doctrine, a false apostle, a false teaching, a false Christ. And you need to be able to discern that. And so you need to understand what a counterfeit is. It is made in imitation of something that is real. 
Now, I know that sometimes we, when we go to Singapore, when we go to these places, we like to buy counterfeit, what's, it, what's the latest, the, the, the girls' shoes and girls' handbags and all that kind of stuff. But, but that's, we, we do that deliberately. But what, what would you think would happen if you actually got given a counterfeit that you were not expecting? Okay? Everything that God has created, everything the devil has a counterfeit for. Everything. Burn that into your head. Everything, there is a counterfeit. So if you come to me and you say, David, I want you to go and look at this preacher on the website. I go into that, not praise God, hallelujah, teach me the truth here, brother. I go into that, examining to see whether what you've given me is actually true or false, whether it is truth from God or a counterfeit from the devil. Now, the worth and value of a counterfeit is that it must so closely resemble the genuine article that it'll take an expert to tell the difference. Okay, I'm an artistic illiterate. You put a false Picasso in front of me and a real Picasso, I wouldn't be able to pick it for the life of me. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 24, false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders. And listen to this. You need to really burn this into yourself. To deceive, if possible, the elect. Satan is coming with a counterfeit to deceive you, if he can do it. The average person wouldn't be able to discern a counterfeit that is really well made to a genuine article unless you're an expert in your subject. And you guys need to now start becoming an expert in the doctrine of Jesus Christ. That means if you've got a Bible that's got red letters, you better know those red letters inside out, and you better know the letters which describe the red letters, which are the words of Jesus. How many of you have actually been given a counterfeit piece of money and passed it on without even knowing it. I have, but I didn't know about it because I, I got stopped. We were in England and we went up for the day to London and we were around about St. Paul's and we probably bought something in a shop, I think a bottle of water or something like that. And um, somewhere along the line on that journey from the train all the way through to that point, Someone had slipped me a one-pound coin. That's just about $2, nothing much. So I'm walking around with the counterfeit. So I get to the next shop, open up my wallet. I've been looking after my money. I've been watching out that no pickpocket comes and picks my counterfeit pound, although I didn't know, didn't know it was a counterfeit. And I handed over my counterfeit pound, and the, the owner just says to me, my friend, I'm not taking that. That's a counterfeit. I looked at it, and then I realized I've been duped. Now, little Christian me, if you had to have put the person in front of me that gave me that counterfeit, I would be in jail right now, literally. That's how angry I was. That's how I felt. But it was only $2. Okay, let's increase the volume of the counterfeit to a point where it will cost you eternal salvation. 
How are you going to feel then? How are you going to feel when you have bought into a doctrine that is a counterfeit, you've put your faith in a counterfeit Christ, and you stand before judgment one day, and Jesus says, hold on a second. I am not the person you are worshiping. The people that worship me, this is what they get. The people that worship that Jesus, that's what they get. How are you going to feel then? A counterfeit can never, ever become a true version of what it's counterfeiting. There's no amount of work that can go into that counterfeit that that person will pick it up and say, okay, I now deem it the original. And this is what those points are what you've got to understand about a counterfeit. So let's look at various counterfeits that the devil has produced. First of all, there's a counterfeit trinity. And I'm going to repeat the definition of counterfeit all the way through. <coughs> Revelation 16, 13, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. That is, that is the satanic trinity. Okay, you've got the dragon, Satan, who imitates the Father. Revelation 12, 9, you can go and read it there. You've got the beast, the Antichrist, the greatest human the humans can present to replace Jesus. So whenever you get the word anti in the Bible, it means to replace, in the place of. So the Antichrist is coming to replace Jesus. He is a counterfeit son. Revelation 13, 1 John, Daniel chapter 7, you can read about him. And then you have a counterfeit false prophet, and the job of the false prophet is to glorify, uplift, and promote the false son. I want you to put this in the back of your mind. When you begin to expose the counterfeits, especially the false prophetic counterfeits, because their job is to promote the false Christs, what you're going to start to find is they're going to be a pushback against you. And the closer we get to that hour when the end begins, when the tribulation clocks clicks on, the more vicious those attacks are going to become. And you can go and read it that eventually the Antichrist is going to start to, the, the, the false prophet is going to start to produce a physical persecution against Christians. In the slide there, you can see on the table that I have that there, there, there's this complete opposite extremes. Satan is the opposite of God. All right? So God is holy. Satan is unholy. He is a monster of iniquity. God is truth. Satan is a liar. God gives life. Satan is a murderer. God is light. Satan is darkness. God is love. Satan is hate. God creates. Satan destroys. Satan can't create anything. He just destroys. Now, this is what you've got to remember in that. The counterfeit is the camouflage to hide the intent of the devil. Okay? That is what he is like. But the counterfeit is he is trying to come to you and say, I am actually holy. The counterfeit says, I'm the one that actually has given you the truth. If you want to know truth, you've got to go into yourself and get more truth. That's what he will say. He will come and represent God as God. Unfortunately, 
His modus operandi, his objective, his purpose for you can be found in the words of Jesus, John 10.10. Listen to this. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. Now, now if you study that passage, that, that verse, it says the thief comes only to. All right? He is only coming to kill, steal, and destroy. So the counterfeit is there to do damage to you, to enslave you, to destroy God's purpose for your life. Got to put that in your head. The counterfeit is there with a view to defraud. So, if you put your trust in a counterfeit gospel, and you're sitting in what you think is a church, and you are worshiping an antichrist. What do you think is gonna happen to you on judgment day? That is what we're talking about here. That is the battle that we are fighting. And that is why we need to be able to stand up and recognize the counterfeit for exactly what it is. Jesus said, he is coming to deceive us with signs, with wonders, with intimidation. He's going to come and shut you up. Why is he going to do this? Because he wants to deceive even you, the elect. Next week, I will show you one doctrine, one statement coming through from the very beginning of creation to 1980, where it's still present in the church or in the counterfeit church today. Watch out, Jesus said in Luke 21. Watch out that no one deceives you, for they will come in my name claiming I am he. So we've got counterfeit trinity. The devil is trying to counterfeit the Godhead. Next thing we've got to look at is there are counterfeit spirits. There are false spirits. You have the spirit of Antichrist, which is a false Christ, and that spirit is already here. You have a false prophet and a false Holy Spirit, and that is already here. You have a spirit of truth and you have a spirit of error. That is already here. So what is a counterfeit? A counterfeit is that which is made in imitation of something. It's an imitation of with a view to defraud you. It is a substitution, that's the word anti, substituting what is real with false. So the spirit of antichrist the Bible says, is here, now, already at work. Now look carefully at 1 John chapter 4, verse 3. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this spirit, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Notice that. This is the spirit of Antichrist. I want you to get that into your spirit right now. If anyone comes to you and starts to fiddle around with the biblical view of Jesus, that is the spirit of Antichrist at work. That is what you're listening to. The minute you take in that teaching, you move from truth to error. You exchange the truth 
with a line. Go and read what happens to you in Romans chapter 1 and go and read what happens to you at the end of the book in Revelation. Very serious consequence in failing to recognize when the spirit of the Antichrist, a counterfeit spirit, comes in and starts to teach you false doctrine. Then we've got the work of the false prophet, and the work of the false prophet is to glorify the false Christ. Jesus says there are many, many false prophets, and I want you to understand this. In, in Hebraic writing, you've got this system of teaching called Midrash. Now, Midrash teaches small to big. So if a, if a, if a Hebrew came in and we started speaking prophetically with regards to the end times, he would understand, well, You've got an antichrist there, you've got an antichrist there, Hitler could have been an antichrist, but then eventually you would have a great antichrist. And so each one would cycle into a bigger and bigger and bigger revelation of the antichrist until the big one came, small to big. He would understand that. Now, the false prophet is going to be the leader of the ecumenical church, and he is going to promote the antichrist and the one world government system. That's the big one. But in the interim, the Bible says false prophets have gone out already. Now, what is the job of a false prophet? To promote a false Christ. What is the job of a true prophet? To promote Jesus Christ. To get you in alignment with Jesus. That's the true prophet. A false prophet is there to get you in alignment with an antichrist. And so here we see he has granted power to give breath to the image of the beast in Revelation 13, 15, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. You come against a false prophet. You work against one of these people. You're going to get a blowback. They're going to attack you. And we will talk about what their attacks look like and how to sort them out. But eventually it's going to come down to a point where when you oppose the false prophet... He will come back and he will try and kill you. The work of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus because Jesus said of the Holy Spirit in John 16, 14, he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. <coughs> Thirdly, we have a spirit of falsehood. We have a spirit of error. 1 John 4, verse 6 we, who, we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God, remember, that's the counterfeit, does not listen to us. This is how you recognize the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to promote the Jesus Christ. And this is how you recognize a false spirit. Now let's go into verse 1 to 4 of, of that passage and just look at a couple of things. Now, that is a passage of Scripture you need to get to know very, very well. Because that is a passage of scripture that was written to counter Ebonites, the Ebonites, and I'll tell you about them now, and also the uh, Gnostics. So, do not believe every spirit. Now, if you go and study the word spirit in the, in the Bible, in the Greek version of the Bible, it can be breath, it can be my human spirit, it can be a demon spirit, it can be the Holy Spirit. Okay? Do not believe every spirit. Do not believe me at all until you have judged my word according to the word. You judge my actions according to the word. Test my fruit. 
Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, this is how you can recognize a doctrine that comes from a false prophet as opposed to a doctrine that comes from a true prophet. But you've got to be, they become very, very sneaky. So you've got to look past the camouflage. Next week, I'll give you some camouflage that they've been hiding themselves in throughout the centuries. Okay, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Remember, when they take away from the divinity or they take away from the humanity of Jesus, there it is, it is a false spirit. It is a false doctrine. And whoever preaches that is a false prophet promoting the Antichrist. So, false trinity, where the devil wants to be God. False spirits promoting a false gospel, a counterfeit gospel. Galatians was besieged by Ebonites, by Gnostics, and they started to come in and teach their doctrine. And Paul writes to them in Galatians chapter 1, 6 to 9, and he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one you call, you, who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. And you can continue reading that in verse 9. A counterfeit is that which is made in imitation of something with a view to defraud. So that gospel has been created in imitation with a view to getting you worshiping another Jesus. That means you will accept the salvation offered by that other Jesus. And that means you will be subject to the consequences of your choice from what that other Jesus says. Now, Paul says these men pervert the gospel. Okay? Listen to me. When this teaching comes in, and its root is from that source. It is a perversion. So next week when I start naming some names, some might horrify you. But when I trace it all the way back to where it comes from, you've got to remember something. It is a perversion that they are actually preaching. It is a different gospel. And if you accept that gospel, you accept the consequences and salvation that comes through that gospel. And there are so many people sitting in churches today who have accepted that gospel and that Christ. And they think they're going to heaven. But they're actually going to burn in hell. And they're sitting in churches today. We'll be talking about that later in the series. So Paul talks about these men that come and perverted. Go and read Jude, what, they look, what, they, what, he, what Jude says. And this gospel has been perverted when you add to it or you take away. <coughs> now, when the church was birthed in Acts, 
the devil launched a two-prong attack against the church. The first prong of attack came in through the Jews that were converted, and the second prong attack came in through the Greeks that were converted or weren't converted. Now, I want you to understand this. God's plan of redemption was through the seed of a woman, Genesis 3.15. So the redeemer of mankind will be born of a woman under the law. He needed to be both human and divine because he had to step between God and man and reconcile them. So if you take away his divinity, he can't reconcile. And you take away his humanity, he can't reconcile. So you take away his divinity, he's not the Jesus of the Bible. You take away his humanity, he's not the Jesus of the Bible. So the salvation that comes from either or of these is not salvation. One mediator between man and God to reconcile man to God, and that was the man Christ Jesus. So reconciliation began with the incarnation where God becomes man. And this blew the mind of the Jews and this blew the mind of the Greeks. Do not believe every spirit, 1 John 4, 1 to 6. I go back to that verse of scripture. But test the spirits to see if they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world and this is how you recognize them. And now I've highlighted that next section. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not is not from God. Okay? So any teaching that fiddles around with the divinity of Jesus or any teaching that fiddles around with the humanity of Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. So a false prophet, a false teacher will come in and promote that doctrine because they are promoting the Antichrist. So we have the Ebonites or the Judaizers. Now this is a group that taught that Jesus was the son of Mary and Joseph, and I'll go into it a little bit later on in the series, and um, he was the son of Mary and Joseph, and so born under the Mosaic law, and God chose him to be the Messiah, so at his baptism when the Holy Spirit came down, that was when the divine aspect came into his life, all right? All through his ministry, and then at his crucifixion, the divinity of him left before he died. They couldn't get their head around understanding the Jewish concept of monotheism. Here are Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. Worship him as one God. They couldn't, they couldn't get around that the Logos, Jesus, is God, and that this Holy Spirit is God as well. They just, they just couldn't fathom that. And so... They, they denied the deity of Jesus. They denied the virgin birth of Jesus and because, because they just couldn't reconcile what Jesus was and is to their understanding of who God was. And, and this doctrine has been disproved many times since then. 
So that is the one attack, the one attack coming in. The other attack that's coming in are called Gnostics. Okay, Gnostics, knowledge. Just remember this. So the Jews, the Ebonites, exposed the errors that came in through the Jewish influence. The Gnostics exposed the heresies coming in from the Greek philosophers. You get words like dualism. Whenever you hear words like dualism, your ears need to go boom, because that's Gnosticism. That's Gnosticism. Just when you hear it, just Gnostic. (laughs) Get the hints, you. (laughs) They wonder, what are you doing? But dualism is simply, in, 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 in the study of God or religion, dualism means that there is a separation of the personality of Jesus. He had one holy, one deity, one flesh, one human. Okay, that was their thinking. Now, Gnosticism believed that the spirit was good, pure, and holy. Material, material flesh was evil. Therefore, God, who is spirit, could not create evil. So through a series of what they call aeons, aeons, emanations, and you can get all the twists in different types of teachings, mini-gods, demigods, uh, brothers of Satan, angels, avatars, all that, all the, all, can you see it all in the different religions coming in? Through, through these, suddenly down here, God now created mankind. And Jesus was one of them. All right? Now, because spirit is good and evil is the flesh, God could never inhabit Jesus, the the flesh Jesus, body of Jesus, the human Jesus. So therefore, Jesus was a phantom. He was a ghost. That's what they believed. So the person of Jesus in those days, the two attacks came in to disrupt the person of Jesus. The Serinthian come from a guy called Serinthius who was, a, who was at the same time as John the Apostle. And so you can see John writing against the writings of this guy, Serinthian, who was an Ebonite. He believed that the divinity, the divine Christ came upon the human Jesus at his baptism and left just before he died. I will show you some teachings if I have time later on about how word of faith teachings are actually twisting that scripture. And you've got some people saying that Jesus actually became, uh, what, what, I have to get the, I stand under correction with what I'm going to quote you now, but some teachings are saying that in hell, Jesus actually became a sinner to save us. And then you'll, you'll be able to trace it off that. I might have time to get to that, not today, but later. The, the docetic Gnostic believed that he was a phantom. And uh, he made an, he, he, the, the, the flesh that he had was just, it was an appearance. To counter all those doctrines, you can go and read the book of Colossians, Hebrews, 1 John, 2 John. You can go and read Jude. It's just, I mean, I gave you 22 verses of scripture last week. And it all counters these doctrines. Hebrews chapter... Um, 
2.14 says this, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. In around 451 at the Council of Chaldean, they finally, be able, they finally got to a stage where they settled on an orthodox view, which we base our view on, of who Jesus was. And I've got it up here on a slide. Um, of, of, of that doctrine of, 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 that came out of the Chalcedon Council of the church. Now, you've got to remember that there were about five to six different uh, philosophical attacks against the person of Jesus, okay? You had the Arians, uh, and you had the Apollarians, you had the Nestorians, you had the Ethicians, uh, Ethic and, and, and these were basically all the attacks over the first 400 years the church was in existence that came against the church, the early church, as it was being birthed and, and, and also being led into the dark ages because a lot of these doctrines came in which led to the development of, of Catholicism that, that, that smashed in and tried to smash in who is Jesus. And at that council there, you can see established who Jesus was. I'll just read it for the podcast. So we've got it on the podcast there. Um, there is one Jesus Christ, but he had two natures, the human and the divine. He is truly God and truly man, composed of body, rational soul. He is consubstantial with the Father in his deity and substantial with man in his humanity except for sin. In his deity, he, be, he is begotten of the Father before time, and in his humanity, born of the Virgin Mary. The distinction between the natures is not diminished by their union, but the specific character of each nature is preserved, and they are united in one person. Jesus is not split or divided into two persons. He is one person, the Son of God. And basically, the, the war leveled against the church on who Jesus is, has not changed. It's still going on. And what you're going to find as I go into it next week is you're going to see that the attack against the person of Jesus has just changed its camouflage. So that's the counterfeit gospels. So we've got a counterfeit God or Trinity. You've got counterfeit spirits. You've got a counterfeit gospel which is now promoted by counterfeit ministers. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15. I'm going to highlight three things out of that verse of scripture, that passage of scripture. Verse 13, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for Satan himself transforms into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great uh, thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. Now, a counterfeit is that which is made in imitation of something with a view to defraud. A counterfeit minister is a counterfeit apostle, a counterfeit prophet with the objective of getting you to believe in a false Jesus. Three things out of that verse of scripture. One, there are false ministers. There are false apostles. These men are called deceitful workers. And they transform themselves. 
There is a transformation that takes place. There is a camouflage of righteousness. And you have to discern the camouflage. You need to be discerning me. You need to be testing me. Am I preaching the truth right now? Are you testing it? Do you go home and test it? Do you look at my fruit? Do you take everything I say for granted? Or do you test it? Because believe me, there are false apostles, deceitful workers who have the ability to transform themselves into apostles of Christ. Remember Matthew 24, 24, get to know it. To deceive, if possible, even the elect, signs, wonders, miracles, preachings, preachings of righteousness, check it out. Don't just accept it. Why? Because Jesus warns you, even the elect, if it is possible, will get deceived. The second thing about that verse of scripture is Satan transforms himself. He is a counterfeit professional. He is proficient in being able to come and transform himself into an angel of light. All right? The third thing that you've got to understand, and I hinted about it when I started talking about that verse of scripture, is the transformation process, they transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. Transformation is change. It is to alter. It is to convert. It is to make over. It's to, re to renovate. And so these guys are coming. They are false apostles. They are false prophets. And apostles work is to align the church to the word of God to worship and serve Christ properly. All right? To get things in order. An apostle will walk into a situation and bring order and align that situation to the things of God. A false apostle will do exactly the same, but to the false Christ, using a false gospel, a counterfeit gospel. Test, 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 test. Do not stop testing. I cannot believe sometimes how gullible the church is when it comes to testing. Oh, you can't test me. Why? You don't, you, that, that's not love. I don't know how many times I go onto the websites when I've got these, you know, my LinkedIn pastor's website and some pastor gets in and he'll, he'll, he'll slam some false doctrine and you'll get these bleeding hearts there. Don't judge. Lest we be judged. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a bad word now. Hell no. Judge them. Because there are counterfeits out there promoting a counterfeit doctrine and that counterfeit doctrine is so close to the truth, you have to be an expert in the truth to discern the error. Now the world tests. Why can't we test? I mean, you school teachers... I know you're not allowed to test too much, but still, you do testing on the slide. So you want to learn the proficiency of a student. Where's the student? How do you, how do you, how do you examine, look into, what are all the PC correct words? It's just a disguise for test. That's all it is. Oh, just, 
Let me see your skills in coloring in here. <laughs> You're just trying to see if the, if the brat can follow instruction. All right? No, they're not brats. They little counterfeit angels. No, they're not counterfeit angels. They're, they're your children. <laughs> I'm digging a hole. <laughs> Even my clock is telling me, stop the hole. Stop <laughs> digging. <laughs> All right? You, if something's wrong with your body, what do you do? You go to a doctor to do what? To get tested to see what's wrong. If you get given something, you buy something mechanical, what do you do? You want to test it to see if it's working. You know, if, 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 if you are going to go and get your license to drive on the road, you get tested to see if you're at a level of proficiency so that you're not going to put anyone else at risk. I will train you on how to test. I will train you on how to judge. And I'm throwing these words out with deliberate intentionality so that all the little PC correct, religious correct people can get over their shock and horror that David Thomas judges people. Yes, I do. All the time. Why? Because Jesus says false prophets, false apostles have gone out, they perform signs and wonders, and if I'm not careful, I can be deceived. Two more, two more, and then I'm going to finish off. False Christians. <gasps> Did you say false Christians? <gasps> Just get over a heart attack now and, and, and let's see what Jesus says. Are there, is there such a thing as a counterfeit Christian? Well, I tell you, the counterfeit gospel of all inclusiveness and love says no. We're all going to get to heaven one day. And uh, yeah. Anyway. Jesus actually says in Matthew 13, verse 24 to 30, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. And the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to pull him out? No. Judgment Day will do all of that, and you can go read that all the way up to verse 30. So where do the seeds come from? What are the seeds? What are good seeds? What are bad seeds? Who's the owner of the field? Who are the servants of the field? Scripture always answers Scripture. So in verse 36 of Matthew 13, Jesus answers the questions of the disciples. They left the crowd, went into the house. The disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. So the sower of the good seed is Jesus. The field is the world. So you get sown into the world. The good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. So they are his people. The weeds are the people of the evil one. So the weeds are evil people. The enemy, the devil, sows the weeds. The harvesters are the angels. And judgment day is at the end. So now... When you bring your friends to me, David, I want you to introduce me to my brother Christian Josep. All right? Now, you should know me by now, so you're not going to get shocked and horrid by what I'm going to say. But I'm, I'm looking at this guy, and I'm judging him. I'm testing him. I am examining him. And I've got a series of strata of categories that I will then 
place him into. And the more I get to know him, I will move him either up or down or out of that category that I've placed. So my categories are this, in the church and in the world. If you're in the world, you're in the world. End of story. Your father is the devil. My only concern with you, my only interaction with you, I need to get you to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lead you through salvation and then disciple you. That's my only interaction with you. That's my only interest with you. Period. I don't have friends with people in the world. They are there to be discipled. So let's put that category aside. They are not the counterfeit. Do you hear me? They are not the counterfeit. Why is that? Because their father is the devil already. The counterfeit are what comes into the church and tries to smell like us. The Bible says wolves in sheep's clothing. So, a baby Christian, level one, that means you've just gotten saved. Then, after your salvation, you start to grow up in infancy. You become an infant. You become a young Christian. And then the objective is for you to become a mature Christian. Now, you can be a baby Christian, get born into the kingdom, and you can be 50 years of age. It doesn't matter chronologically how old you are with my categorization of you. If at any stage of your spiritual growth from babyhood to infancy to youth to maturity, you stop growing, in my book, when you stop growing as a Christian, you start backsliding as a Christian. And so you enter, and a lot of people don't like this word, that stage of backsliding, backslidden Christian. I call you carnal. Now there are different stages of carnality. Carnality is where someone just begins to stop following the things of God. But what happens is if you stay on that path, eventually you're going to become a prodigal. All right? Now, a lot of people out there are going to be shock horror. Oh, you've got to love everybody. No. You treat a, when you're treating prodigals, you've got to treat them. They're going to say, oh, you've got to go for the lost sheep. No. Lost sheep is lost. Prodigals, prodigal. Two different, two different people you're talking about here. Two different behaviors you're talking about here. And so a prodigal, you then become a prodigal. Self begins to rule. You leave your father's house. You go into the world. Now there is a dangerous point in a prodigal's life where he becomes a Hebrews 6 verse 3 apostate. He renounces Jesus. Now at that stage, you're eternally lost. Go and read Hebrews chapter 6 onwards. So, baby Christian, infant Christian, young Christian, mature Christian, all progressing. When you bring him to me, I'm analyzing him. What does he say? How does he dress? Uh, and I don't really go into that dressing too much because sometimes the styles that you guys dress in are like weird. Anyway, you know, fashion stopped in the 70s. <laughs> That's a big hole. I'm not going into that. <laughs> I didn't grow up in the 70s. Um, you'll, get, you'll get words like Jesus saying to, to the church, I, I, I would rather you hot or cold, but you look warm. Now let me give you a, a, a practical example. Uh, let me hurry through this. Paul 
moves from Antioch and he starts taking apostolic teams with him. You know the word mission? New Testament is actually apostolos. It's apostolic teams like we are trying to do here at LifeHouse. And so he takes an apostolic team and he ends up in Rome around the year 60 to 64. In Rome, around 60 to 64, he writes the gospel, he writes the letter of Colossians. Colossians chapter 4 verse 14. And he says, our dear friend Luke the doctor and Demas send greetings. So in 60 to 64, we can start to pick up that he's got a team of men around him who are on apostolic mission. At the same time, he writes the letter to Philemon, Philemon 124, and we see that there's Mark, and then this other guy, and Demas and Luke, his fellow workers. All right? Now, between one and three years, he then writes to Timothy, to Timothy. And probably for me, one of the saddest scriptures I can read is that scripture there. For Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. I do not know how many times I have had people that I'm discipling that because of some reason or other, their links to the world have not been adequately and properly severed. And eventually, the attractions of the world and the temptation of the devil to go back overwhelms whatever God is calling them to do, and they go back into the world. Demas is a backslider. Now, I don't know how far he went. I don't know whether he became just a prodigal. I don't know whether he moved from prodigal to apostate. I don't know. But what I'm saying to you is, for me, that is sad. And I've had that many times. I've experienced that many times, where sin in someone's life, undealt with sin, in strongholds, suddenly comes up. Addictions overpower them because they don't want to deal with them. They don't want to get real with Jesus. They don't want to push in more and more and more. That's what happens, a backslider. Now, in contrast to that, you have the counterfeit. So Demas, in my book, is a believer who's backslidden. Now, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 to 20, it says, it's the last hours. You've heard the Antichrist is coming. Now look at that. Even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how you know that the last hour. They went out from us, but, did, but they did not really belong to us. For if they belonged to us, they would have remained. But their going out showed that none of them belonged to us. <coughs> Over the course of the series, I'm going to be showing you guys and, and men and women that have been preachers that I've upheld, I've, I've used their material, and, and lately I've been looking at their material and I've started to say, oh, these guys are starting to dabble in areas that I, 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 just, I just don't want to go into. I don't, want, I don't want to say they never belonged um, and, 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 to, and to really go into that area of 
breaking the barrier that I mentioned last week of Ephesus, the Ephesus church, where you so hunt them down that you lose your first love, you lose your priority, you lose the, the, the relationship with Jesus because you're so keen on just hunting people down all the time and, and, and exposing them. But they have, they have to be exposed. They have to be named. The Bible names them. Bible names false prophets, and I'll be naming them for you. <clears throat> and so we have to expose their teachings. And so what I'm trying to say to you here is that there are people in the church today who act like us, who dress like us, who talk like us, and who try and smell like us, but they are actually wolves in sheep's clothing. All right? You've got that category, deliberate, intentional, coming in, being sown. Then you've also got the category that I mentioned earlier, that people that are in the church today that have been born again, but been born again under a false prophet. So personally, me, I, I, I differentiate between those two categories there. So these are the guys I want to expose, the guys that are literally deliberately sowing the stuff. And I want to get these other guys who've been brought up on their doctrines and their teachings, I want to get them saved properly. I want to get them out of there. I want to get the truth before them. I want to get the word of God before them. Okay, so one more thing, one more point. Give me five more minutes, one more point. And then we, I'm going to shut it down. And then next week, we're going to go, in, go into it pretty deeply. Counterfeit church. All right. There are two churches. And at the moment, those two churches are trying to coexist in one space. It does not work. Okay? There is a counterfeit church, and there is the true church. And what you've got to begin to now discern is what is a counterfeit church and what is the true church and what is a church that just doesn't know what it is. I'll be teaching you a series on cults. What is a cult? What is a social cult? And what is a church that is actually using cultic teachings? Still a church, but is starting to dabble into this kind of teaching. Ephesians 5.27, Jesus, Paul says, will present a, to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she could be boldly, uh, but she will be holy and without blemish. In Revelation chapter 17, we read about the false church, and the Bible calls her mystery, Babylon the great mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And she was drunk on the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. She sits on the Antichrist government and gives its power and makes it authoritative. So you've got the two churches. In the last days right now, there is a war that is heating up. In my next newsletter, I've got a couple of questions that I'm going to get you to meditate on. And one of the questions is about the church you know, and the false church. Okay. Be careful. Be careful in these days that you do not get used to the dark. Go and read at home Isaiah 60 verse 1 to 3. And go and read Jeremiah 13, verse 16, in a couple of verses of Scripture around that verse of Scripture. Now, here's my challenge. Stop being a frog that gets put into a saucepan and boiled to death and thinking that you're not being boiled to death. Start being discerning. 
Discern everything. Test everything. Examine everything. And you become an expert in the doctrines of Jesus Christ. God bless. Amen.